0: And we also kind of sense that we're the only one that really hears it and nobody else really hears it, right? We don't really think that the Spirit of God works through the community. We think it all only works through us sometimes, right? But see, mature Christians stand in the middle of all of that. They live in the radical middle. We call it in the vineyard, uh, allowing for us to fumble through, to live in tension, to put up, you know, sort of bumper guards for all of us as we go through life together, while we still pursue God's lead through the Holy Spirit. So we know where Jesus is. He's in the He's in the temple courts. We know when it is. It's the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, or whatever it is. And we know to whom he's saying it. He's saying it to the nation of Israel, gathered there together for remembrance and worship for this festival. And we at least, at least know in, in part what he's saying, that he is the source of life, that, that they must come to him for it, that the scriptures speak about him and lead to him. and In essence, he's saying that he is God but why does he choose to say it specifically at that moment, that time, that day? Well, we find out that it has everything to do with that festival that they're at, the Feast of Tabernacles. Because during the Feast of Tabernacles, there was a solemn procession for seven seven days um, from the temple down to the Pool of Siloam, where the priest would get this this pitcher, this golden pitcher filled with the water from that pool, and he would take it back uh, to the altar and he would pour out the water where the parts of the sacrifice had been ar- arranged, And the choir would sing certain things. Now think about that. You know, this this pure water from this pool, this healing pool, remember we've seen that story in the scripture, and he's poured it on the, the, the sacrifice, the, the pieces of the sacrifice. So you have the sacrifice there, you have this living, cleaning, you know, water that cleans and all that kind of stuff. And all this is happening while they are singing two different verses. They're they actually we just sang a verse from from, from what, I forget what that passage is, but Romans eight. Amen. Look at look at her just whipping it out. She's got that, she's got that going on. But so Isaiah twelve, verse three, it says, With joy you will draw from the wells of salvation. Just start letting this imagery hit you. All right? with joy you will draw from the wells of salvation, and also Isaiah 55 verse 1, which says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, Ah, love that, right, love that, get that tattooed right here, I would, maybe you wouldn't, but I would. But, but the ritual, this see, this ritual commemorated Moses. Li, listen to all the energy. Moses striking that rock in the wilderness. You know that story. Israel's wandering out there, and they've got nothing to drink and all this kind of stuff. And they strikes the water, the, the, the rock in the wilderness, and water comes gushing from it, and it's Numbers chapter twenty, I think Psalm seventy eight also talks about it. And it produced this water which saved the nation of Israel. It was a very clear image of the coming Messiah, and they knew that. That's Zechariah chapter 14, and 16 through 19. But the eighth day, was very different. There was singing, there was no shouting, no water was being poured out anywhere. The eighth day was a solemn day, it was a very quiet day. And, And it was a day of repentance, because you can't have salvation, without repentance. Let me say that twice. You can't have salvation without repentance of sin. And by the way, God defines what sin is. Not us. No matter what they all say out there. Right? And it's against this backdrop. had to get my little dig in there on the culture. But it's against this backdrop of of, of all the silence and all the symbolism of water that Jesus stood up in a elevated place probably and said all of this with a loud voice so his offer to come to me and drink is an unmistakable offer of salvation tied to that image of that rock in the desert I just love this that rock in the desert which saved the nation of Israel and therefore it foreshadowed the Messiah and that's what he's saying he is he was equating himself with all of this imagery, all this beautiful, wonderful, rich imagery. So let's ask one more question. What does living water mean to me? What does living water mean to us? Right now, right here. Because we we say in church, we've said in the past that Jesus is the living water. I believe that's true. We said the scriptures are waters which refresh us. I think that's true. However, there's something that John adds here which is also true. What more does the living waters mean, or does this living water mean? And John answers that question in the next verse. Verse 39. He said, by this he meant the Spirit the holy spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive you remember in acts the the spirit of god gets poured out on the disciples right up to that time the spirit had not been given when jesus was talking since jesus has not yet been glorified in other words he had not gone to the cross he had not raised risen from the dead and all that kind of stuff He had not ascended on high and so you know, you, you think about that, right? The, the Spirit of God just being poured out on these people. It was a beautiful image, too. And some of us, you know, have, are unchurched people. Well, you know, I reference stories, or I reference a name, and you're like, who the heck is that? I don't I never heard that story. You know, one of our neighbors said the other day, uh, uh, What? you know, asked one of my family members, what did your 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 uncle preach uh, on? Jonathan, or Amanda, maybe. What did your uncle preach on? And she said... Um, she said uh, the Samaritan woman she said oh, i 've heard about the good Samaritan, but i 've never heard that story isn 't that amazing? People have not heard these stories we've got a big a lot of work to do, but anyway, we can be on church, and that 's great if you 're here and this is your first time, your first experience of church you 're hearing these things for the first time you're meeting Jesus for the first time that is awesome and if you have questions I want I want to sit with you but others of us have past church experience right which may not have focused too much on the Holy Spirit as part of our lives right it wasn't really a part of our church experience or maybe it's not even even though we're here now and this church preaches this stuff maybe we still haven't even connected with it right Francis Chan in his book, Forgotten God, which we have a copy of here. If you want it, you can take it home today, um, uh, says this. He says, from my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragic, tragically neglected and, for all practice, practical purposes, forgotten. I'm, getting, I'm speaking faster than... My head is going faster than my mouth will catch up. All right, so from my, from my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and, for all practical purposes, forgotten. While no evangelical would would, would deny his existence, now whether or not you want to call yourself an evangelical or not, I don't care. You're here, you're a Christian, he's talking about you too, right? I'm willing to bet that there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say that they have experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them do not even believe they can. If you just read the scriptures without any prior context you would be convinced that the Holy Spirit is as essential to a believer's existence as air is to staying alive. I believe that this missing something is actually a missing someone. That is a very important point. Namely, the Holy Spirit. Without Him, personal pronoun right there, without Him, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. So, Jesus acknowledged God the Father, Jesus claimed divinity for himself, and he claimed the same for the Holy Spirit. But we mistakenly look at the Trinity as if there's this hierarchy of power within it, don't we? Think about how you feel about it. I'm talking feeling language because that's really where we live, right? To us, the Trinity is God the Father is this head honcho, this disconnected Father out in the, the cosmos someplace that we never see or hear from. Jesus is the subordinate Son to God the Father. And when we write the Holy Spirit, we have to erase the H and the S and capitalize them because we always forget to capitalize them because we don't really believe or see that he's here and he's, he's real and all that kind of stuff. So the Spirit becomes subordinate to the other two. But that wouldn't be how Jesus viewed the relationship between the three. Our own statement of faith clarifies this for us, The relation, this relationship of the Trinity. It says, we believe in one true God, one true and living God, externally existing in three persons, equal in power and glory, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So equal in power and glory, one God, same substance, yet still some of us have very little knowledge of or relationship with the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the Spirit has become the Trinity's errand boy, so to speak, right? But the Holy Spirit is equally God. The Holy Spirit is poured out into our lives to reveal our need. That's John chapter 16. For convictions, John chapter 6. To baptize us into the family of God. That's First Corinthians 12. To seal us in Christ, Ephesians chapter 4. To fill and use us in kingdom work, which is Ephesians 5. When the Spirit of God lives in you, John chapter 14, and lives through you, Galatians chapter 5, you have strength to do all things through the Spirit. That's Philippians chapter 4. The Spirit knows my need and brings it before the Father. He is my advocate, Romans chapter 8. It's the Spirit of God who makes the Christian life possible, Galatians chapter 4. The Spirit comes with the Christ, Romans chapter 8. So when you meet Jesus and you give your life to Christ, you are sealed with the Spirit of God. He lives in you. Each and every work of God involves all three persons of the Trinity. Yet the Spirit of God abides in us daily. The third person of the Trinity, that living water that is filling us up to overflowing. So Jesus referred to the special baptizing and sealing and indwelling work of the Spirit in the church age, which started at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1. And uh, Jesus promised he'd send the Spirit to his followers. John chapter 15, John chapter 16 also says it, I think. And therefore we could say if, this, if the Spirit is the water of life, right? If he's the living water of life, then Jesus is kind of like the fountain so to speak, right and that fountain has been turned on when Jesus was glorified on the cross and if through his resurrection and through his ascension and all that stuff. you know but here we think we think life would be better if we were all sitting here and suddenly bloop, Jesus just showed up in physicality this morning. We think that that would be so much better if he were right here right now, but listen to what he said this is john chapter 16 he says but very truly i tell you it is for your good that i am going away unless i go away the advocate which is the holy spirit will not come to you but if i go i will send him to you that we avoid the spirit because we don't understand the spirit of god it's, it's easier to be theologically correct but disconnected relationally because then it's safe, right? If I can answer all your questions in the, the perfect right way but not really live out of this relationship, it's safe. I don't get hurt. I don't take risks. So we have a small view of the Spirit as if the fountain's been turned off in our lives sometimes. And our lack of power just doesn't jive with the book of acts does it he says don't worry i'm leaving it'll be better for you if i go away because you're going to have the holy spirit is that really better than having jesus right here holding my hand through life right but jesus said wait here The spirit of God is going to come upon you. Don't go trying to change the world yourself. Wait. You need that spirit of God within you. They wait, and the spirit comes rushing like like a rushing wind, and with tongues of flame, and the fountain was turned on in those guys. And they go out. What do they do? They go out to all the people groups that are gathered there at that time. All the people groups had come in from all the nations around them, come in and uh, into Jerusalem, and they speak to these word, the, these crowds in power. And what happens? Everyone hears them in their own language. It was a miracle. The message had overflowed. To them personally, to those close to them probably, now into their local community, and then out to the nations or the people groups of the world. And that's what God calls us to. That's what we studied for 12 weeks, a few weeks back. There was a difference in the disciples after that event. They weren't the same. They weren't the same. Now they had some sort of uncanny power within them, and they did things that Jesus was doing, didn't they? They went out and shared fast forward to now isn't life so predictable you go to church you sing a song or two you hear a message you go home you go to community group you go to work you go home now god is definitely in the mundane of life i've preached that many times here before and i believe it but when we need it when 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 we're moved to work for the lord where is that power that we need Maybe we have been imbalanced in our view and our pursuit and our experience of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of argument about feeling language in church and experiential language in church and solid rock, you know, sort of theology in the church. And I'm not saying that we just have to be totally experiential. I'm saying we need to be rooted in the Word of God, but we need to experience the, 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 the power and the, the Spirit of God at the same time. We've not engaged the Spirit, some of us, right? And, and God, the Holy Spirit, waits patiently for us to do so, I think. And I'm remember, I'm preaching to myself. Maybe we feel like Nicodemus did, right? We can postulate our theology to Jesus, and the, uh, about Jesus and the Father, but we're uncomfortable with this wind, this Spirit, right? Which you can't contain or control, because you can't net the wind, can you? don't ever fall into the trap that i think the pharisees and the leaders that back then did that you've learned or experienced or that you know all that there is to know about who god is in this life there is always more there's infinitely more it's like god's a bodybuilder we're just like scrawny little weaklings right right church should be this family gathering waiting to see what the father will do among us right he wants to be active in our lives he wants to be invited he wants to he wants us to be a part of this like riding a wave on a surfboard and i really do think that's why god is dismantling church in america in a good way taking away those things those it's like we have these drugs these christian drugs that we you know we uh we're we're addicted to and he's taking all those that stuff away you know, it's, it's not a mistake that we got a little rattled this morning with the slides and stuff. We need that. We really do. But this is where uh, what you believe to be true ab- about God, in other words, your theology, does make a big difference. What is your view from the Scriptures about the Holy Spirit? and all of these issues if you view god the father as this sort of angry cosmic killjoy out there not really caring about you jesus is only fire insurance so that you get to go to heaven someday and the holy spirit just as a sort of a subordinate cork in a bottle of salvation you'll not see the spirit work to any great extent in your life probably because you're not putting yourself under the faucet you're not seeking to be filled But if we say God's a God of life, Jesus is our daily bread of grace, and the Holy Spirit is our power for living, one substance, three persons, equal in power and glory, if we believe that the kingdom can break into our reality right now, then we will see him work more fully. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not a work of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the evangelical rally cry. We all know those verses. But we need to continue on to verse 10, which says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were talking this week with a few people that we never learn anything without practicing it. Can, I could sit, I sit up here and spout at you all day long, but you, you won't really take it in until you practice it. And I believe that's what we're talking about here. It's more than just personal salvation. You don't just get Jesus and get to go do what you want. You become a subject of the kingdom. A dynamic life in in the spirit and, and power for witness. A power to go do what God has called you to do. Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. The Great Commission call. Like Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works, that sounds weird, doesn't it, Then these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Now think about Acts, early Acts. What what, what happened? They had thousands of people coming to Christ. Those were greater works than Jesus. They preached the gospel because what had already occurred and what had happened, the Spirit was poured out of them and people were just coming to Christ in droves. And due to what Jesus says in other places, we can add to that, and you will be filled with the Spirit. Right? Because we know He says it in other places. The fountain has been turned on. But that scares us to death. Because it means risk. Remember John Wimber used to always say, I think it was John Wimber that used to always say, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It really is. John Wimber was reading the New Testament and he thought, I should be doing this stuff, right? But he was at Dallas Theological Seminary. They don't do that there, right? Right? And and he said, you know, I should be doing this stuff and he started praying for hundreds of people. Anytime he came across somebody that would needed healing or emotional healing or physical healing, all that kind of stuff, he he would pray for them, but nobody ever really got healed. He was kind of discouraged and nothing happened and, and he you know, he was discouraged in his little newfound ministry and he was challenged and a woman came by one day and said, Would you pray for me for physical healing? And he's like, Yeah, I'll pray for you, but nothing's gonna happen in his head, he's saying this. And he prays for her and she's healed on the spot. And from that point on, not every person was healed when John prayed for them, but lots of people were over the years. Many, many, many people were. And later in life, John was speaking to a crowd about this sort of kingdom ministry and this healing and this power evangelism. Actually praying over people, letting them see the power of God, and then like speaking the gospel at them and seeing them come to Christ, all that kind of stuff. And they wanted to know how to do this. And he said... You want me to just tell you how to do it. But I can't because you don't want to do the hard work which brought me here today. Go out and pray for over 200 people that need healing and come back and tell me that Jesus doesn't have the power to move in in, in the hearts of people. See, there's, there's a lot for us to unlearn. There's a lot to learn or relearn. But it does take risk and practice. And I think that's where we got to go to in our church. I think we've got to go to the practice more. Right? Do we want the fountain turned on? One church in Cincinnati decided uh, they, to get a booth at a psychic fair. Now think about how risky this is. How scary this would be, right? Get a booth at a psychic fair that was being held in their city. And, he, you know, the guy, the pastor's not a Pentecostal. He's just a regular Joe in the middle of all this. You know, he's not a Pentecostal. He's not a, you know, on either extreme. Um, he's just trying to live in that radical middle. And they got a booth, and they put up a sign, without the pastors knowing, actually, they put up a sign that said, Healing and Dream Interpretation. And he got there that day, and he, he and he said to the woman to, who was running the event for, for him, you know, get the booth together, he said, Do we know how to interpret dreams? And she said, No, but God's going to show us how. And at the end of that, that time, they, they had prayed over hundreds of people. And people were actually going coming back to the booth and saying, The power at this booth is greater than all the other places here. Can you pray over me again? And they got to share the gospel with people and see people come to Christ. It was it was pretty cool. R I S K. I can't I, I'm gonna be honest with you. That gives me the heebie jeebies. You I you know, I might say, Okay, you guys get that booth together, I'll come late. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I feel like when I hear those stories. I'm not sitting here saying to you that I I'm I mean I, I think I'm a little bit more bold and brazen about this stuff than other people. As a leader, I should be, and I am passionate about it, and it comes out of me. But I want to be more so. I want to be more intentional. Because in Jesus, that that fountain has been turned on. The Spirit flows. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, equal in power and glory, one God in three persons. Do I understand all that? No, but I don't got to. I don't got to. Do we want to live in that power? If we do, then we have to sort of believe differently, taking risks in faith. And so here's a challenge for you, a simple challenge. Wherever you are this week, ask God to reveal to you a person around you who needs prayer or, or that needs Jesus especially, Right? And ask the Holy Spirit to come in that moment and invite him in and, and ask him to clear your fears and your doubts and all your little, you know, nervous ticks and stuff and, and to speak to you about that person and then ask that person, go approach them and ask them and say, or actually tell them, I, I feel like God wants me to pray over you right now and, and Wouldn't God want you to pray over people? I mean, you don't even have to hear that to know that that's a truth, right? Can I, and and then say, can I pray for you right now? And we always say, pray for you right now is the kicker, because it's polite to say, can I pray for you, and then walk away and never do it. But it's better, it's powerful to pray on the spot over someone, and to see God move. And even if they're not healed, even if they don't come to faith, even if you don't get anything or you don't seem to hear anything for them, you know, that's okay. Even if nothing happens, 99% of that time, they will feel cared for and loved and impressed that you would take the time to pray over them. And it will move them somehow. Somehow. But if something does happen, and and the conversation, just listen for the Holy Spirit to direct you. Give Christ the glory and share the gospel like crazy with them. Challenge them with the gospel. And by the way, I wanted to tell you, we we've in the past we've had these little New Testaments that you could have tabs one, two, three, four, five, six tabs that you can share the gospel with people. I went out and bought, and they're alongside. There, grab one take it with you these are the, these this is the whole Bible so it has one from the New Testament and one from the Old Testament that sort of backs that one up all right so you can take these with you and then we have those little cards uh, like a ton a stack of these little cards right here that you can take keep keep a stack of these in your wallet and and leave them places and give them to people and and walk them through these these little steps of the gospel blah 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 <laughs> and then come back next week, two weeks from now, a month from now, whatever and tell me what happened because I want to I get um, well, if you're uncomfortable being up here I'll tell the story but if you are aren't comfortable getting up here I'd love for you to tell the story Cairn University just shut down a program it's a, sort of a social work program and they said that it's been usurped by all the garbage in, that we're dealing with in the world right now. I just heard this this morning. And uh, and it made me think. I've been hearing more and more church leaders, and I think I'm one of them, that are saying, we need to share the gospel. We always get usurped. We always get, you know, kind of, we, we, we start these, these we go out sharing the gospel, and then we get rolled into just doing doing the works, but we never talk about jesus anymore so it's easier it's easier to ladle food than it is to share the gospel it it's much easier it's easier to feel good about yourself by doing those things and i think we should be doing those things but they are subordinate to the gospel you know what good is it to feed a belly and have them die and never meet god for the rest of eternity i'm 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 preaching let me be quiet father <laughs> thank you that you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We thank you that when you stood up in the middle of that crowd as it describes in John 7, that you have the authority and the power to do that. That you are the author and creator of all that there is in the universe, in the cosmos of us and we don't get it sometimes. So we just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would fill us with your presence we fill us with the spirit and let that overflow out let let everybody that gets near us just walk away soaking wet with jesus just that something spilled out and they got something from the encounter that they had with us and we thank you for that in christ's name we pray amen what do i i where's uh kathleen or oh, not kathleen Oh, are you behind me? Oh, there you are. (laughs) I was lost there for a second.